singing. All right. Now we'll take our Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And uh, we've been preaching through the book of 2 Corinthians, so I think this is like message 24, 25 so far. And uh, appreciate uh, the Word of God and what it has to say to us. Uh, Justin this morning when he read the Proverbs passage, and it's a a very convicting type passage, but it reminds us of quite a few different things that as God's people we should be practicing as uh, we seek to live for Him. But we'll be going into a little bit different uh, section this morning as we get started. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever rejected a gift? Have you ever rejected a gift on its face? Thank you, Lane. And that does happen on occasion where people will literally push something back maybe that was given to them. Or maybe you take uh, the gift, and uh, I remember uh, uh, one of my relative's showers, and she had received all sorts of wonderful gifts, a lot of very expensive things. And uh, we went to her house, and it's like we're looking for all those things. We figured they'd be around, and she'd taken every, virtually everything back and uh, gotten the, the money for the things and kept that instead. And it's, it was like the gifts didn't mean anything. It's, now, this was out of state in another place. But uh, it's like the gift on its face was rejected. And, and that's a, a difficult thing. When we're looking at the, the scriptures this morning, when we look at gifts that God has for us and things that are sitting there for you, sometimes we even ourselves will push those things back and reject them. Well, do you struggle with people's perception and treatment of you? In other words, uh, uh, when something is offered or when people sometimes maybe are trying to be nice, sometimes it doesn't come off right, and we get a bad perception about them. And all those things are going to be looked at this morning as we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm going to read the first 10 verses this morning, so grab your Bibles. I trust you're, uh, uh, I've really been putting an emphasis on getting back into the Word of God. And I like to have a hard copy with me. I know some of you use, uh, uh, and it's fine if you use a cell phone or your iPads or whatever. But uh, a lot of times we don't open the Word of God. And uh, we've been talking about that. We'll get into that a little bit later again in the message. But I encourage you, bring, a, bring your Bible at a minimum, uh, an electronic version, or have your Bible handy. Folks, if we're biblically illiterate, if we don't know God's Word, you're going to have a tough time uh, walking with God and understanding where He's coming from. All right, so uh, let's take our Bibles. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians again, chapter 6, verse 1. We then, as workers together with Him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For He says, and here's a very well-known verse quoted from Isaiah 49, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, 
by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Father, I pray now that as we open the precious word of God, the only book you've ever given us to read, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, uh, uh, it's, it's a challenge. Actually, summer itself is a challenge. Different things, different atmosphere, different weather, different perceptions, different things that uh, many folks like to do. And Lord, these can be very challenging times. Lord, many are here this morning that uh, have serious, serious illnesses. Many that are have loved ones that are seriously ill this morning. Others that have recently passed away. Lord, we we need uh, uh, your help on a multitude of different levels this morning for those that are suffering and in trials, those that are going through difficult times, and yes, even for those that right now may be on the mountaintop and uh, how to handle those situations. So, Father, we commit all this to you. We pray that you'd bless this morning. As always, we ask that you do uh, uh, what only you can do, revive the saved and save the lost. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, this morning what we're going to do is examine the necessity of not only receiving and representing the Lord Jesus Christ in response to his grace. So we want to look at how do we, uh, have we received the grace of God? In other words, have you placed your faith and trust in him, which most of you in this room have? And if you have, how are we representing the Lord Jesus Christ based on the passage this morning? So he starts out with uh, uh, Paul again, and we're talking about the Corinthian church, a tough church, one that went through a lot of uh, difficult times. They struggled with a multitude of different sins, and First uh, Corinthians points that out. And Paul really had to work hard in this particular church to try and get them to progress in their walk with the Lord. And in the midst of that, there was a lot of pushback that Paul talked about in the first five chapters of Second Corinthians. So Paul says, uh, when he's addressing the folks again, he says, we then, as workers together with him, now, we could stop right there for a bit. We are workers together with him. In other words, how does, get, how does God get his work done? Well, he gets it done through people. Uh, again, we've talked about this many a time. Does God literally come down? Does he do the work? Does he uh, uh, read the Bible for you? Does he pray for you? Does he tell folks the gospel for you? Does he live a life that's exemplary for you? And, of course, the answer is no. So God looks at us as his fellow workers together with him, and he says, listen, I also plead with you, do not receive the grace of God in vain. Now, that's a pretty strong statement. God's saying, uh, uh, if we've come, we've received the grace of God. In other words, you place your faith and trust in him, but have you done it in vain? It actually has, a, a, if you read the commentaries on this, it has two separate concept, concepts Paul's saying to one group, listen, the grace of God, the message of salvation, the gospel's been given to you, but you've not received it. 
It's basically, uh, you've rejected it based on its face. You've listened, listened to it, but you've received the grace of God in vain. And basically what he's saying is you didn't receive it. You rejected it. You took the gift and basically pushed it back. Well, on the other hand, when we're looking at God's people and those that have placed their faith and trust in Christ, how's our relationship with him? How's our walk with him? Are we living an exemplary life for the Lord Jesus? And, and that's the context here. And he puts it out very strongly, don't receive God's grace in vain. I found this the other day, and it says, everybody thinks I'm crazy. They say, you take this Jesus thing too seriously. Did you catch that? You take this Jesus thing too seriously. Can I ask you a question, Christian? How can you take Jesus too seriously? Uh, and I agree. You can't. It's serious. There's nothing else in this world that's more important than your relationship with the Lord. Folks, I just came back from Montana. Another funeral. Folks, I hate funerals. I, I, I just, and most of you do too. I don't know a whole lot of people that rejoice because of funerals coming. It's tough. It's hard. And especially when the, uh, the person's younger than you would expect to pass away. Now, of course, many of our senior citizens, my mom and dad alike, I mean, they couldn't wait to get to heaven. And, uh, I mean, they for years before they passed away, they were praying, Lord, would you take me home? Uh, but still, the funerals are sad even for our senior citizens and, and moms and dads and grandparents and folks you love and care about. And, and it hurts. And, and it's like, can, anybody, can you take Jesus too seriously? Uh, I had a, uh, and I was able to speak with... Uh, a month ago when we were actually at the family reunion in Montana, didn't expect to be back four weeks later for a funeral. And uh, one of the individuals I was able to lead to the Lord the last time, about a month ago, it was just wonderful to be able to come and to see how seriously he was taking his walk with the Lord. And he said, Rich, uh, can we talk? He didn't, like he didn't want to talk in uh, public, but he's like, come here, I, I, want, I want to talk to you a bit. This, this is a good old senior citizen that trusted the Lord just uh, about five weeks ago. And uh, he's like, he says, man, he says, you know, I've, I've really changed. He says, uh, and he was a, a military guy, tough guy, uh, live out in the tough part of Montana. And he's like, you know, man, my, my thoughts are changing, my mouth. He says, I'm, I'm not saying stuff I used to say. Uh, I didn't tell him he, he needed to live a different life. Never, we didn't really talk about that when, uh, a month ago. But he's like, I can't believe what's happening. I can't believe the changes that I'm seeing, and, and uh, I'm just thinking in a different way. And then he asked me a, a several theological questions, and it's like he had a hunger for the Word, and, and he's taking it seriously. Why? Because four or five weeks ago, all of a sudden, the Lord changed his heart. And, and all of a sudden, he said, there's been a great change since I've been born. There's been a great change since I've been born. Born again, you know the song. And that's exactly what was taking place. There's a change. And uh, uh, it, it's happening fairly quickly with him. And praise the Lord because he, uh, to be straightforward, uh, he's also very, very sick, dying of cancer. And uh, you just don't know how many days he have left. So it's good to see a quick turnaround for him. But this again says, everybody thinks I'm crazy. They say, you take this Jesus thing too seriously. Well, I don't know, but Christ took me pretty seriously when he died for me in the cross. Remember God's people said? 
I mean, he, he died for you. He took you seriously. He took me seriously when he looked down at us and said, Good night. Uh, uh, these are old sinners. These folks don't love me. They don't care about me. But God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, of course, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Well, what, is, what else does he say? He says, For he says, God says, In an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Now, it's very interesting, and quite frankly, it's real easy to mess this little piece up. Paul is quoting, and we're going to go there in just a minute, Isaiah chapter 49. Now, when you read this text, and Paul is basically throwing out to the Corinthian folks at that time, and I'm throwing it out, of course, to all of us, where he's stressing the importance that don't put off the day of salvation, don't put off the time of trusting Christ. Now, I know folks come, even here, and uh, you visit week after week, and, and you start to, to catch on to some of the things that uh, the Scriptures teach, and you struggle in your mind. And I believe there's still probably some folks here. Uh, you come, and it happens every week. You come, and you hear the gospel given. We always give the gospel here at Grace. Or at, uh, Grace. Yes, it is Grace uh, Church. Uh, uh, but at Union Grove Baptist Church, we always talk about the grace of God and the free gift of eternal life. And, and you listen, and, and the culturally, you have grown up, and you have grown up, and you have grown up in denominational churches or other churches or other even religions. And, and they've been telling you, well, do your best, try your best, hope the best do different things and maybe if you're just good enough maybe the pendulum will swing in the right way and God will have mercy on you and take you to heaven and you grew up with that folks there's only one one quote unquote and I don't like using the word religion that teaches you're not saved by what you do there's only one and you happen to be in that place today every other Bible believing church that believes what this book says the last thing that you're going to hear is you're saved by what you do. No, we're not saved by what we do. We're saved by what he did, speaking of Christ. And, and every other religion, every other place that you can go that doesn't teach the scriptures will tell you, you got to work. You got to do this. You got to do that. Well, Jesus here is saying what? The Lord's saying, for he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. And then we go to that famous part that everybody knows. Behold, now, not tomorrow, not five minutes from now, this week, Thursday morning, about 5 a.m., we got on the plane. Valerie and I were separated. We were lucky to get a, get a, a plane back at all based on the lateness of the tickets. Valerie's sitting on one side of the aisle. I'm sitting on the other. And uh, there's a couple of people in between us. And she's trying to get my attention. She's like, Rich, Rich, Rich. And, of course, my hearing isn't the greatest anyway. So I'm kind of leaning over, and I'm like, what's... And I could tell she was a... It's a problem. Something's going on. And I'm like, what? And she said... And she mentioned the name, and I thought she said he's sick. And I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, why would she be yelling across an aisle about somebody that's sick? I said, and I, I caught the name... And I said, is he dead? She said, yes. Yes. The person she was talking about when I was with the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office, first years on the road, was my partner. 60, nope, uh, where was he? He was 70, 74 years old, quite a bit older than me. But uh, she's like, he just died. 
And I'm like, whoa. So uh, one of my other friends from uh, the sheriff's office, I called him up because that's the person that had contacted Valerie. And I'm like, what happened? He said, well, his wife, who I knew, she got up out of bed, she went into the living room, and he was laying on the floor. Gone. Heart attack. Folks, that wasn't expected. Wasn't expected. Now, to some of you, and especially the young people, 74 sounds like, well, that's old. Well, folks, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, 74 is getting to sound pretty young to me. And... Uh, but she gets out of bed, she walks over, and there he is, gone. Didn't expect that. And the funeral will be this afternoon. Now, folks, you, you just don't know. You just don't know. It doesn't matter if you're 64 like my brother-in-law was who just passed away. It doesn't matter if you're 74 who just passed away. It doesn't matter if you're in the inner city of Milwaukee when a 12-year-old got shot to death a few days ago. You don't know how long you have to live. You don't know. You say, well, wait a minute. I I'm young. I'm, I'm 16. I'm 15. I'm 10. I, I got a whole life ahead of me. You don't know. And the Lord's saying here, you don't know. None of us knows. I don't know if I'll be here tonight. I trust I will be, Lord willing, but I don't know. Today could be it. Lord says, come on home, Rich. Well, wait a minute. Where are you going to go when he calls you? You see, two options. Now, most of you know if you died right now, where would you go? I mean, that's the majority in the room, but there's people in here right now that you don't know if you died, you go to heaven. You just don't know. And God says, listen, you don't put it off. Don't wait. He says, behold, now is the accepted time. It's acceptable. It's proper. It's good. It's what God wants. Today is the day. It's the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Listen, this is serious. When I put the title on this, and, I, and I'm going through this passage, and it's a well-known passage, and obviously it's very evangelistic, but he's making a plea. Don't take the grace of God in vain. Don't push the gift of, aside. Don't keep trying to figure this out on your own. How about today? Right now, today, before you walk out of this auditorium, those that are struggling with, well, I'm just not sure. I'm really not sure. Should I take Jesus? Is he really the only way? Is that really all there is to it? Is the grace of God really that simple? And the answer is yes. For God so loved the that he gave his only begotten son. Who's his begotten son? That whosoever believes in him and his death, burial, and resurrection should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Folks, that's the message. That is the mission of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know if we have tomorrow. The Corinthians didn't know if they have tomorrow. My brother-in-law didn't know that he wouldn't have it tomorrow. My old partner didn't know that he would be dead a few days ago. And there's folks that you know, there's folks that you care about that will not come to Christ unless God can use us to help. Now, I don't want to lay a guilt trip on anybody. Who's got to do the saving, us or Jesus? It's the Lord Jesus that does through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't save anybody. But the one thing we can do, folks, and that's, this is for the Christian folks that know Christ, 
The only way that God's going to get that message to him, boy, we say about it so often, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, know then, Christian, that we are his ambassadors. Isaiah chapter 49, which really uh, a totally different context, but Paul actually quotes from Isaiah 49 this concept. What does he say? Isaiah 49, 7, Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to whom man despises, to him whom the nation abhors, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and he has chosen you. In context, Isaiah 49, the Lord is talking to what group of people? Israel. Let's go back to verse 6. Indeed, he says, now again, Isaiah's writing this in about 700 B.C., and here's God's promise to Israel, and we're going to see the Gentiles. Now, 99% of the folks in here today are Gentiles that have come to Christ, uh, uh, and here's what he says, Isaiah 49, 6. Indeed, he says, God says, it is too, is it too small a thing that you, now he's, in context, he's talking about the Messiah. This is a messianic prophecy and when we get to verse 9 or we're going to or verse 8 we're going to see how this all ties together with 2 Corinthians 6 which Paul's quoting indeed he says is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel all right so God's chosen people the Jewish people he's making a statement to them and he's giving the prophecy 700 years before it's going to take place about the Messiah, Jesus, who's going to come. And he's telling the Jewish people specifically at this time about what the Messiah will do for them. But he includes someone else, the folks in this room today. Uh, so he says, uh, 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 I, also, I will also give you, Jesus, Messiah, as a light to whom? The Gentiles. Now, folks... If you know the biblical history, if you know who God was dealing with, specifically in the Old Testament and mainly through the gospel, gospels, who was his main focus on? It was on the Jewish people. In fact, uh, uh, Jesus made it very clear, I have not come but to the lost sheep of whom? Israel. He's very specific about it. But things change. And, of course, uh, uh, they change as God intended them to, and the gospel today is open to who? The Gentiles, that you, Messiah, Jesus Christ, should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. And that's where we are today. Well, let's go to verse 8, eight which ties this together. Thus says the Lord, and here it is, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Notice the pronouns here. Are they capitalized or not? Now, when we're talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 6, is he talking about the acceptable time being for Christ? No, he's talking about the acceptable time being for us to come to him. But he's quoting, which is very interesting from Isaiah, where he's talking about that the Messiah who hadn't come yet, he's going to come in an acceptable time. He's the one that has to perform the work that will bring not only Jews but eventually Gentiles to Christ. So he says this, in an acceptable time I have heard you. In the day of salvation I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people. Well, 
What group of people did God give his four major covenants to? Israel, the Jewish people. Again, what are those four covenants? Abrahamic covenant, uh, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, Abrahamic covenant, land covenant, Deuteronomy chapter 30, the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, 31 through the end of the chapter, and uh, Davidic covenant, 2 Samuel chapter uh, 7, verses 6 to 16, all unconditional covenants given to the Jewish people. I will preserve you, Jesus, and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. Folks, how have the Jewish people been treated over the years, good, bad, or ugly? I mean, horrible, right? And God's talking about, even though the Jewish people, which constantly got in trouble with God, they constantly rejected him, God never rejected them. And we move on, and it says again, Behold, Gentiles, behold, if you're Jewish here this morning or watching on the Internet and have Jewish or Gentile background, he says, behold, now, Jesus has come. The Messiah has come. The Messiah did give his life some 2,000 years ago on the cross. And he's saying, now, looking back to the cross, looking at what Jesus did, looking at what Isaiah prophesied would come 700 years before it took place, he says, behold, now, not tomorrow, not 10 minutes from now, behold, now, this very moment is the acceptance time behold now right now is the day of salvation listen let me ask you the question again those watching on the internet let me ask this question please again if you were to die this very moment if your wife or your husband or your mom or your daddy or your grandparents or your child comes in and, and all of a sudden it's you that's laying on the floor having breathed your last breath, where did you go? Where did you go? Where did you go? You say, I don't know. I'm scared to death. I don't know if that was me. If I dropped over dead right now, if I breathed my last breath and my body's laying there, I don't know where I would go. Would you please listen this time? Would you please hear me? Would you let me tell you what the Bible says, not what Pastor Rich says, not what a church says, not what a hymnal says, not what a catechism says? How about what the old Word of God says? God's Word, infallible, 100% true. It's very simple. God says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. You say, Pastor, are you a sinner? You betcha. You betcha. I was born with a sin nature. Every single one of you were too. Not trying to be critical, it's just what God said. We're all sinners. And God says because we sinned, if every single one of us got what we deserved, every single one of us would burn in an awful place called the lake of fire, Revelation 21.8. Those of you that go to work every single day or uh, those that know about people that do go to work for the young people, you go to, you go to work and you expect to get paid for what you've done. And Romans 6.23 says the wages are what you've earned what you've earned because you're a sinner is death, eternal separation from the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Take it seriously. Number three, God says the good news. Those two things were bad. Sinners deserving of hell. But the good news is Jesus Christ, God's Son, comes down from heaven, dies on the cross for our sins, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead to prove he's God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son this morning? 
you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? No man comes to the Father but through him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Do you believe that with all your heart? You say, okay, and what does that have to do with me going to heaven? Well, we go through these two verses almost every Sunday. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace, God's free and merited gift, are you saved, saved from sin, Say from the power of sin or hell. For by grace are you saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any person should boast. You see, what God is saying is he's holding out a free gift this morning. Just like uh, some folks this morning, they reached out. They took a, a, a gift. They didn't have to pay for it. They didn't have to do anything. All they had to do is reach out, take the gift, and it's theirs. And God says, I got a gift for you this morning. I got free eternal life. And he says, behold, uh, it's not for tomorrow. It's not for a week from now. I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to put it off. I believe right now is when you need to take that gift and embrace it and pull it in. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. When we look back at the, uh, the, the verses back in Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6, that's post-cross. He's looking at today. What did Jesus do for you? Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you, Messiah, should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you, which he did, Do you believe that Jesus Christ came here some 2,000 years ago, went to the cross, gave his life, was buried, and rose again? Do you believe it? Well, 700 plus 2,700 years ago now, God had his plan that tells you exactly what should take place. What's interesting then, and for those that enjoy a little bit of prophecy, in uh, uh, verse 8, what does he talk about? He's talking about Jesus will come what will he do in an acceptable time? Did he come? He did. I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people. And here it is. Folks, God is not done with the Jewish people. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, right here again. Part of the covenant that God made with the Jewish people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate things. Folks, that's a prophecy about what particular event. Starts with an M. Hey, there we go. Gotcha. Uh, the millennial kingdom, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 10. What happens? Jesus comes back, Revelation 19, 11 to 21, comes back to the battle of Armageddon, wipes out all of those who are detracting from him. He goes into Jerusalem, builds his fourth temple. Third temple, of course, is yet to be built. That'll be built during the tribulation time. Jesus walks in, builds that fourth temple of which he will rule and reign from Ezekiel 40 to 48. Christ will be on this earth ruling and reigning for 1,000 years, six times in seven verses, Revelation 20, verse 1 to 7. Jesus, or through the apostle John, made it clear. Jesus Christ will rule and reign on this earth for a literal 1,000-year period when all things will change, when this earth and the sickness and the disgusting things that are taking place When Jesus Christ comes down here and he binds up Satan, Revelation 20, this earth is going to change. And God will be preparing all of us now and in the future 
for that time when he will come to rule and reign on this earth. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is, not tomorrow. Don't wait, don't wait till next Sunday. I haven't told this in a while, but many of you know of uh, D.L. Moody, oh, a great preacher back multi-generations ago, started the great Moody Church, which still exists in Chicago today. And by the way, I did go to uh, and graduated from Moody many years ago. D.L. Moody, many of you remember the story. He's, he was a thunderous preacher, good guy. And, and, and he's preaching. And he's talking about, listen, uh, uh, you've got, he was, he, I mean, he was just preaching away on, on uh, of the, the terrible things, the terrible destruction that happens to those who refuse to come to Christ. And he was preaching on hell. And, and he got to the end of the message and he basically had run out of time. I, I can relate to that. And D.L. Moody's preaching away about uh, the, hor- the horrific things of hell. He- he's talking about uh, a strong scriptural things. And he said, next week when you come back, next week when you come back, I'm going to share with you how you can know for sure that you don't have to go to that terrible lake of fire. Next week never came. D.L. Moody preached that sermon based on historical record the old cow in the barn kicks the lantern over and starts the Chicago fire dozens of people in Chicago that were sitting in that auditorium that day perished without Christ Moody was deeply moved by that his church was destroyed people never heard the last part of the message that he just couldn't get to that day it changed D.L. Moody dramatically D.L. Moody made this statement, I will never again, never again, give a message where I don't tell folks how to come to Christ. Every single time, D.L. Moody would preach the gospel and invite folks to come to him. Folks, that's why one of the reasons that I do that every single week. Yes, we have to learn the Bible. Yes, we have to learn the dozens and dozens and dozens of theological things that are within the Scripture, but there's nothing more important than this. To make sure that when you die, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven is your home. Which is why in a couple of minutes we're going to invite you to do what D.L. Moody couldn't. That fateful day when folks perished without Christ. He also says we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. You say, well pastor, that's, that's speaking to you. You're the minister here. Wrong. I am a minister. How many of you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Well, look at all them there ministers. You're all ministers. Every single one of you, God has given a message to give to others. And he says we don't give an offense. We want to be blameless in our ministry as we preach to others. Yes, there's what are called folks like myself, pastors and deacons and folks that are in ministry and missionaries. But folks, every single one of us is part of the ministry, every single one. Well, here's what what he's saying. Propagating the gospel as we go through perilous conditions. Now, uh, due to time, I'm not going to go through these in great depth because I want to go to a, a one particular section in just a moment. But think about what Paul went through. Think about the trials and the difficulties that he went through. He said, "Listen, uh, we were patient in trying to deliver the gospel to you. 
Now, folks, sometimes you just got to be patient. I'm not patient, and I'm not praying for it, and I'm not asking for it. I mean, I got to get 20 things done in a moment. That's my personality. But, folks, sometimes we just got to take some time. When I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, they don't want to get it in two seconds. They want, you know, they want an old full explanation. It takes time, patience. He says outside of that in tribulations, when we're being persecuted, pushed aside, when folks are giving you a hard time, still preach the gospel. He said, I've been in needs and distresses, in stripes, basically beat the fire out of him, in imprisonments and tumults and labors, sleeplessness, fastings. I, I, Paul just went through difficult time after difficult time after horrible time. You say, well, Pastor Rich, my life isn't so good either. I go through tough times. I go through hard times. I go through a lot of stress in my life, and it's difficult. And I have family members and friends and people that don't want to listen to me when I'm trying to explain the Bible or theology to them. And Paul says, yes, yes, yes. Uh, We're all going to go through that because folks, believe it or not, this whole world isn't out there embracing the gospel. It is tough. It is hard. But folks, think back to when you trusted Christ. Now, you might have been open, or you may not. I know folks in this room, when you hear their testimonies, are like, you rough old bird. I mean, it was like uh, 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 drug addicts, alcoholics, folks that were fighters and, and tough guys, and, and even ladies that were seriously strong in rejecting Christ. And somebody took the time, and the Holy Spirit started to work on you, and all of a sudden, your life changed. He said, in purity and knowledge, long-suffering, kindness. Boy, there's a lost art in Christianity. Kindness. Kindness. Loving on people. Whew. Now, I love Unigro Baptist Church. I love how you treat folks. I love when we have visitors, and all of a sudden, they can't move because they're surrounded by folks. I mean, that's great. I love how you go out in the streets and your workplaces and tell others the greatest news ever given to mankind, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And, and, and by kindness and by the work of the Holy Spirit and by sincere love, you see folks come to Christ. By the word of truth. The word of truth. It's only found one place, folks. No other place. Power of God. The armor of righteousness, honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true. Now put your seatbelts on. You say, "Uh uh-oh, here it comes. Four weeks ago, we started a challenge here. One small book a week to start getting us biblically literate. I gave you this statistic from, uh, I forget again if it was Pure Barna Research, The average Christian home has three Bibles in it. The average amount of time they get open is three times how long? A year. Three times a year in the average Christian home, the Bible gets open according to survey. And I'm like, we got to be biblically literate. You're never going to get what we need out of one hour a week in church. You've got to be active at home. So I gave the challenge, and I know several have taken it up, and I'm guessing based on how Satan doesn't want you in his word, that there's those that said, yeah, that was a great idea, Pastor, but no, I just don't have time for it. I'm going to try and challenge that this morning. You ready? Galatians, four weeks ago, asked you to uh, read it through individually and corporately with your family. So said, even if you do one chapter a day, 
Now, I like to listen to the dramatized version, which is the longest way you can listen to uh, the scriptures. Now, you can, of course, you can read it. You can listen to it. But the longest way of reading Galatians takes 22 minutes to get through the entire book. 22 minutes. Don't raise your hands because I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. How many of you spent 22 minutes four weeks ago going through the book of Galatians? I said, don't raise your hand, Jody. <laughs> Two Jodies. Must be a Jody thing. <laughs> Actually, we got three or four Jodies here this morning. But uh, 22 minutes. Uh, wait a minute. How about six chapters in Galatians? How about one chapter a day? How long would that take? Three minutes if you read it slow. If you're a really slow reader, maybe five minutes. 22 minutes of slow reading to get through the book of Galatians four weeks ago. How about the book of Ephesians? Six chapters, three minutes a day, or 21 minutes for the entire week. How many of you spent 21 minutes reading your Bible that particular week? Again, please don't raise hands. We're not... <laughs> Okay, Jody, thank you. But uh, uh, here's the point. Philippians, a couple weeks ago. How long does it take to read the book of Philippians? 16 minutes. Now, wait a second. How many hours are there in a day? 24 hours in every single day. All right, now the mathematicians. What's 7 times 24? Come on. 168. 168 hours in a week. How many gave up 16 minutes of those 168 hours? You say, well, I got to go to work. All right, that's 12 hours a day. I'll give you 12 hours. I got to eat. Well, for some, that's 10 hours a, a, a day, and others, it's one. <laughs> I got to sleep. All right. I, I got to watch TV. All right. I got to do whatever. All right. And could you find 16 minutes? Could you find three minutes a day just to read one chapter. How about Colossians? 15 minutes slow reading to get through the book of Colossians. How many of you spent 15 minutes last week going through the book of Colossians? 15 minutes, the whole week. 168 hours, 15 minutes. Now, I'm making some of you mad. I'm not trying to. But folks, if we're biblically illiterate, how do you expect to walk with God? Let me just give you a clue as to what's inside those four books. If you would have gone through those four books in the last month, less than an hour's time, what would have you gotten out of it? The vast majority of what every person needs to live the Christian life is found in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. What's within those four books? Church-age doctrine, avoiding legalism, how to raise a family, how to work, how to do relationships, which is one of the most difficult things, I think, for most Christians. How to get along with people, it's in there. Proper attitudes towards God and others, it's in there. Liberty, salvation, walking in the Spirit, prayer, grace, faith, peace, unity, love, light, wisdom, marriage, Children, in other words, how to raise children, spiritual warfare, which every single one of us goes through, suffering. How many of you, and again, this isn't for hands, how many of our suffering and going through tough times, if you would have read those four books, it would have told you how to deal with it. Humility, talking about our citizenship and have folks, every major part of your life was covered in those four books. 
And you say, are you you mad at us? Folks, I, I asked you not to raise your hand. I don't know who did and who didn't. That's none of my business, unless you want to make it my business for help. What I'm saying is, listen, if you don't know what's in the book, of course you're going to have a tough life. Of course things aren't going to go right. Of course you're going to have problems. Because the only way to get the right answers is in God's Word. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I mean, that's it, folks. It's tough and it's hard. And it's a discipline, which is why I said, let's just start small. Three minutes a day. 20 minutes a week. You can do it. You can do it. If, if, if you take God seriously. If you don't take God seriously, you'll never do it. If you don't believe the things that you come here, you listen, you hear the preaching, you hear the teaching in Sunday schools and Awana and Bible studies and women's ministry and men's ministry and all these many things. Folks, it will not give you everything you need on a daily basis. I implore you, I beg you, get into God's Word. This week, 1 Thessalonians, a lot of doctrine in there. A lot of things that Paul went through. Five chapters, 13 minutes this week. Would you do it? Would you commit to doing it? Well, we got to close. Paul gives multiple contrasts. He says, listen, he says, we're unknown, but yet we're well known among people in ministry. He says, we're dying. Our, Our lives, we're constantly sacrificing them for the cause of Christ. But within that, we live He says, we go through tough times, we're chastened, we're beat up, we suffer for the cause of Christ, yet we're not killed, although Paul eventually did, of course, give his life for the cause of Christ. Verse 10, he says, a sorrowful, going through tough times, hard times, going through the funerals, going through the sicknesses, going through the tough times, yet because of Christ, we always rejoice. He says, as poor, not much money. Not much goods, not a whole lot of luxury, but we make many rich. You know, you could be the poorest person in this room right now. Doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. And you go up to your friend or your relative and you share the gospel with them. And all of a sudden they come to Christ and it's like riches beyond measure. Riches beyond measure. Folks, every single one of you that's had the privilege of leading one or more people to Christ, (laughs) is there anything better than that? I mean, there's just not. There's just not. Making many rich as having nothing, and yet we possess all things. Do you possess everything? Do you take Christ seriously this morning? Let's end with this. What should we do? Purposefully live for Jesus in light of eternity. Living for Jesus. Do you take him seriously? Christian! You're going to spend three minutes a day in the Bible this week? Some of you will spend a lot more than that. Praise the Lord for that. But folks, we're never going to get above base one if we can't start raising our biblical literacy, if we don't start raising our walk with Christ, if we don't start walking with God on a daily basis. I know we come here, we look good, we smell good, life looks good, but only you know what takes place when you walk out of the building. Are you walking with God? Finally, we promise we do this as we close. There's folks in this room right now. I don't know who you are. There's folks watching right now. I don't know who you are. 
you've not received the gift, the free gift of eternal life by placing your faith and trust in Christ. And God said, listen, don't wait till tomorrow. It could be your funeral tomorrow, and it's too late. He says, behold, now, today is indeed the day of salvation. Here it is again. But God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, what did Jesus do for you? He died for you. Are you ready to take his free gift this morning? There's folks in this room. Again, I don't know, I don't know who you are. There's folks watching. I don't know who you are, but you know who you are. And you know who you are. If you're here this morning, have you placed your faith and trust in Christ, realizing that he is the only way to heaven? Nothing you can do to work it. Nothing. Nothing. Father, thank you for your love for us. Father, would you help us to strive to take you seriously? Would we understand when even something like yesterday when our dear friend Harley is in a very, very serious accident, fortunately, and we're thankful that you preserved his life. But it gets our attention. Barring your grace, he wouldn't be here today, but he is. But Father, others this week did breathe their last breath. There's folks that may be in this room, those watching right now, that may breathe their last breath this week or even today. If that's you listening now, let's stop playing church and let's get serious about Jesus. Let's get serious. Do you understand that you're a sinner? You say, yes, I do. Do you understand it because you sin, you don't deserve to go to heaven? You say, yes, I do. Do you believe that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, died on the cross for your sins, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead? Do you believe that with all of your heart? You say, yes, I do. Then how about by faith, taking his free gift of eternal life, by accepting that free gift of what Jesus did for you through his death, burial, and resurrection. Are you ready to do that? Well, then do it right now, right there where you are. You say, what do I have to do? It's by faith. There's nothing else to do but place your faith and trust in him. Take that free gift right now. Did you do it? Did you receive it by faith? Well, I'm so happy you did. What I'd like to do is just pray a prayer of thanksgiving. The prayer is not what saves you. Your faith did. But let's rejoice in what Jesus did for you this morning. Silently, you may want to pray something like this. Dear God, I knew when I heard this message this morning that I wasn't sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. But I do understand that I'm a sinner, that I don't deserve to go to heaven, and that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven and paid the entire price for my sin. And I finally, by faith this morning, received that free gift of eternal life. Oh, God, thank you for saving me and promising to take me to heaven. Christian, are we going to take Jesus seriously this week? All the many things we went through, will you take him seriously? I trust you will. Commit it to him this morning. Right there where you are, I'm not going to do an invitation. I want you to do an invitation right there in your seat. I want you to please think about what am I going to do to live for Jesus this week.